Hello and welcome to the Activist Podcast, brought to you by Vegan FTA, vegan for the animals. I'm your host, Gareth Skur, and I'll also be joined by my wonderful co-host and wife, Jackie Norman. In this episode, we have the fearless Tash Peterson, aka Vegan Booty. Tash is an incredible activist from Australia who has hit media headlines across the world for her protests and demonstrations. In this episode, we talk about some of the methods she uses, what it's like in those moments, and also her rise to notoriety on TikTok, and why we should be exploring more social media platforms as activists. I have to say, out of all the activists we meet through the series, Tasha's bravery still blows us away, as she is never afraid to speak out for the animals. We hope you enjoy this episode as much as we did, and be sure to check out our social media pages, at VeganFTA on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube where you can also find the series in video format. Tash, your um, activism has made headlines literally all over the world. Um, however, for any of our viewers who somehow haven't already heard of the infamous Tash Peterson, can you tell us briefly who you are and what you do? So I'm a 26-year-old passionate animal rights activist based in Perth, Western Australia. I've been an activist for about three years now and I've always been a massive animal and nature lover. I grew up um, in the backyard of Western Australia, swimming with dolphins and uh, going on a lot of family trips uh, across the coast. So uh, my childhood dream was to be a marine biologist. So I was always very connected to the animals and nature. Um, And that's kind of what led me to veganism. Brilliant. Because um, from what I understand as well, um, you're another one like many of us, you know, didn't uh, really know about veganism beforehand. So it was sort of um, the environmental sort of aspects first got you sort of wandering down the path? Yes, I was always very environmentally conscious growing up. So initially learning the impacts that animal agriculture has on our planet is really what drove me to make that change overnight. And I was already beginning to make that connection with the animals. I just wasn't fully aware yet of the horrific cruelty happening in these industries. But I became passionate very quickly with the environmental side of things. And the more research I did, the more passionate I grew for the animal rights. Definitely, yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, I mean, like you say, you've been passionate in in all that kind of activism from the start, from the environment and into the animals. And once you made that switch... Um, you know, it was full on, um, you know, you, you sort of uh, a natural progression for you to, to sort of want to wear your beliefs as well on the outside. And um, that led to the creation of your own clothing brand, um, Vegan Clan, which is fantastic. Um, you know, I can't think of many people would be like, oh, you know, I think I'll just go and make some clothes to go. <laughs> but um, it must have been such a fun experience. And um, can you tell us a bit about your range and how it all came about? Yeah, so very shortly after becoming vegan, I came up with the idea to create Vegan Clan because I thought, wow, clothing would be a fantastic idea to wear the message. And at that point in time, I didn't really know much about animal rights activism and the groups and stuff. So clothing was sort of my first form of activism. And I was trying to find vegan clothing online and there were a few really good brands out there, but they weren't quite what I was looking for. I wanted clothing with a really powerful animal rights message and all I could find was kind of slogans like friends, not food and that sort of thing, which I absolutely love, but I wanted something 
really direct and powerful. And at that point in time, I also wanted that environmental message on my clothing as well. So that's when I sort of came up with the idea. And then after like a couple of years of a lot of money and time and creating these designs, I finally had enough savings to actually get the clothing bulk printed to be able to sell them. And I wanted like a fashionable look as well. So I kind of wanted that like streetwear look. I have the message all around, like on the sleeves, front and back. And yeah, that's kind of how it came about. Yeah, I definitely get that when uh, looking for vegan clothing. I was saying to Jackie earlier, it's like, um, you know, you go out for a cookie as a vegan and all you can get is like the oatmeal one. And don't get me wrong, oatmeal cookies are great, but you don't always want that healthy sort of basic version. Sometimes you want you want that bad boy, you want that chocolate chip, you know, you want something exactly. real juicy that suits you. Or you get something you. from Kmart, you know, and you get a shirt and then you go and everybody, second person down the street is wearing the same Kmart, you know, it's, it's the same, yeah, getting something different. So, no, good on you, it's yeah, brilliant. Exactly. And making it so cool as well, you know, it's, yeah, it's, I love how you've, like you say, got the whole sleeves and everything going. So good on yeah. you. We will definitely make sure that we uh, we put a link to, to that for you. Yeah. <laughs> so I understand, like, once you got, um, well, I think I've got the time, like, uh, timeline right here. When, after setting up your sort of clothing stuff, uh, you then decided to go off and do a bit of traveling as a vegan. Um, how was it for you uh, traveling abroad as sort of a, a newer vegan at that stage? Was it quite difficult to make your way around? It was actually incredibly easy. I mean, yeah, it was probably about only four months into being vegan, I set off to travel across Europe, and I covered 20 countries in Europe, and I found it incredibly easy. I was overwhelmed, and it made my travel experience completely different um, for the better because I was able to look out for all these amazing different vegan places and as we all know, Europe is very progressive, so it's quite easy in those countries um, to find these amazing vegan options. So I found that super easy, and I was really lucky to have found um, some vegetarian travellers as well who I was able to turn vegan, and we all went off together to these amazing vegan places. And then the year after that, I actually travelled to the Caribbean and South America, and I thought, what am I getting myself into this could be really hard. I could be living off rice and veggies, but that's okay. Let's see how it goes. And it was actually, I was overwhelmed by the vegan options, particularly across South America. It was incredible. Some of the best vegan food I've ever had. I only recall having one situation when I was in Cuba where I thought that I was going to miss a meal because there were no options available but my travel guide went out on a hunt and found this massive juicy mango for me and gave it to me so um overall like the travel experiences as a vegan i think i've been to about 30 countries as a vegan um are super easy and it's so much fun <laughs> oh that's awesome maybe that needs to be your next project you know tasha's vegan travel guide <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That would be great because we see people all over, you know, in the Facebook groups all the time in vegan groups going, oh, you know, I want to go to this country, but I'm not sure. And so many people don't have the answers. So, yeah, future project. That would be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> so um, when you returned to Australia, you know, you, you uh, got more into your activism again and um, discovered organizations such as Anonymous for the Voiceless and also Direct Action Everywhere. Um, what was it that drew you into particular, um, you know, to, to DXC? Uh, it was set up 
a couple of years ago. So I'd already been quite involved with Anonymous for the Voiceless and the SAVE movement. And I thought they were great forms of activism. And of course, they, I still think they are fantastic. But I guess I was drawn to direct action because it just seems so unique. It's something that I hadn't really heard about before and I was keen to give it a go and initially I was a bit nervous to do it. I thought, wow, this is really confrontational, you know, and I'm seeing a lot of negative public responses. So what is this? And I was just open to giving it a try and I really kind of fell in love with this form of activism. I really feel like I've found my life calling doing this activism and I'm so glad that I took that step to get out of my comfort zone and sue it and give it a go because I absolutely love it now. And now I'm one of the organisers of Direct Action Everywhere here in Perth. So, yeah, it's oh, fantastic. That's awesome, man. It's like, um, so for a lot of us, we've heard of AV um, and we've also heard of DXC, but um, a lot of us aren't entirely clear about how they sort of run. So, can you explain to us a little bit about the difference between, say, doing an AV cube and then doing a direct action movement? Yeah, so with Anonymous for the Voiceless, it's quite easygoing outreach sort of a form of activism. So you've got people standing in a cube formation, holding television screens, playing footage inside uh, meat, dairy and egg facilities and other industries that exploit animals. So it's sort of to draw the public in to start witnessing this footage and then you can outreach and have a really good effective conversation with them and question their lifestyle choices around animals and that sort of thing whereas direct action is more kind of generally confrontational not all the time but there's a lot of different styles of activism so that could be going into a supermarket um, holding signs or with television screens. So it can sort of be similar in many ways and different in other ways. You can have um, other really confrontational things where you're going inside restaurants and chanting and shouting animal liberation now. And, yeah, there's a lot of different sort of styles of it. But, yeah, they differ and they're similar in many ways. Yeah. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for the explanation. Because I mean, that's the whole purpose of this series is we want to show activism across the board in all its different forms. And for those who don't know as much about various, you know, groups and, and styles of activism, you know, we want people to be like, oh, yeah. So that's what that's about. This is a bit of me, you know. So, um, so no, that's brilliant to to know. And um, you know, like I say, as well as being active in in organisations, you've also done some very mem memorable activism on your own, um, such as your protests, you know, in, in supermarkets and in butcher stores. Um, and that's where we first heard about you, in fact. I remember seeing you at a supermarket protest last Christmas, you know, it hit the news here in New Zealand, and I was just like, whoa, that takes some serious balls, you know. <laughs> um, it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant, you know. And what goes through your mind when you're walking into an environment like that, especially solo? <laughs> um. Well, before I do it, before I walk in, I am usually very nervous, but the nerves just completely disappear once I'm in that environment about to enter the supermarket. And the only thing that goes through my mind is, I hope none of the staff notice me or the security guards so I can actually get a good amount of time in here. So I just walk really, really fast to somehow just sneak through and get to like the meat aisle of the supermarket. Um, and yeah, I'm just kind of in that zone. I know that I'm there for the animals. I'm not nervous. I'm willing to kind of 
take on anything and just get that message out there. So part of um, these sort of actions that you've done in the past, you know, you quite often um, wear sort of a costume or bring props, you know, which uh, I, I think it's brilliant how you do that. Uh, you've even done a theatrical based one around the handmail, um, Handmaiden's Tale. Uh, hand- Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's Tale. Get with the program. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's brilliant to see the level of uh, creativity that you put into this form of activism. And how important is it to you that, you know, you're doing this action, but you're doing it in that different way, that creative spin on it. Uh, Yeah, I think it's critical to be as unique and creative as possible because the more you can do so, the more media and public attention you'll receive and therefore you're getting the animal rights message out to a bigger audience and you're putting it into the public dialogue. So for me, that is an essential element to my activism because firstly, I've always loved creativity and I can see the impact that it's having from doing so. So I love, yeah, all the different creative styles of activism. It certainly makes an impact. And I think, you know, with the, along with, the, with that, with your, your clothing range as well, you know, you're constantly reinforcing that message. You know, it's, you've been lied to, watch Dominion, which I love. You know, even if you don't know what that is, it's like, oh, watch, you know, what's Dominion? I should probably go check that out. It's, uh, you know, it's just reinforcing. It's like the Joey Carbstrongs, you know, you're just constantly never forgetting the victims and just always reinforcing that message. Um, you know, it looks fantastical, the stuff that you put together. What sort of organisation and effort goes into doing one of these actions? You know, are they planned out over a matter of time or are they literally having a coffee with friends and like, oh, let's go and do this. This sounds like a good idea, you know. Is it kind of spontaneous or a bit more well-planned? Uh, they sort of differ, to be honest. Usually they're more on the spontaneous side. Suddenly, um I'll just have an idea pop to my head and then I'll go out and buy the costume and organise my filming friends to just do it within, you know, weeks um, ahead of time. So usually not too much planning is involved apart from just waiting, like if I have to buy costume stuff online and that sort of thing. But, yeah, generally most of the time it's been quite spontaneous, um, usually just like a week or two before we've done the action. So. Yeah, must be pretty good buzz, you know, leading up to it and, and not having a huge lead up, you know, so, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I do like to be, I've always been more of a spontaneous sort of person, so I kind of like that style <laughs> anyway, yeah. I've got to actually ask as a filmmaker, um, have you guys ever run into problems with, um, I know in a lot of supermarkets, they don't actually um, allow people to take photographs and film in there. Um, they normally have like stickers on the windows, which to be honest, I've ignored in the past. Um, have you guys have any problems with that whilst doing some of these actions? Yeah, usually when the staff approach us during the actions, they will say, you can't film in here. And we usually just resist and continue filming anyway, because from my understanding, there's no legal issues with filming inside the supermarket. Although I guess it differs when you are asked to, but I've never really had any issues. I always kind of resist that sort of thing yeah yeah a friend of mine who works at supermarket he said it's something to do with um showing employees faces or something like that so um i think there probably are quite a few workarounds we can find but yeah. um previously in um, another interview you mentioned how um the media love to pick up the the solo activist angle and um would you advise other people getting out there and trying the solo thing but also at the same time do you have any tips for keeping safe as a solo activist 
Yeah, I definitely recommend giving it a go. I think the media like to target individuals and from my personal experience of activism, I'm quite overwhelmed with the impact that an individual activist can make and the media actually really love telling that individual story and sensationalising it and everyone likes to get on board. So it definitely has received a huge amount of attention and even though group forms of activism are fantastic too, I think this is quite unique um, in the style of, yeah, a solo person is doing this crazy thing. Everyone kind of wants to know about it and why this person is doing it. So I think it is very effective. So I definitely recommend giving it a go. But of course, you really do have to be careful for your own personal safety. I mean, I've lost count the number of times that I have actually been assaulted by staff members inside these supermarkets to the point where someone like a security guard was over on top of my back trying to grab my phone from my hand. So definitely have to be careful and make sure that the person coming to film you is aware of that and can do their best to help you out in that situation and just always having that understanding that something could happen because it's definitely going to trigger a lot of people. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, um, yeah, that was a really good to know. It's a valuable tip. Thank you. Um, I mean, all of your, you know, your activism has, has been really impactful in its own way, but um, I guess probably the, the biggest impact in the media, at least so far, um, is at the, uh, was earlier this year, the Optus Stadium. Um, you ran onto the pitch during a, a history-making football game, waving a flag um, which read Right to Rescue. Um, and this made headlines, you know, all around the world. Can you tell us a bit about what that means, Right to Rescue, and why you chose that message at that time? Yeah, so the Right to Rescue is a campaign that was created in the US and recently we've started to use it here in Australia. Basically, this campaign is to highlight the absurdity of prosecuting innocent people who are going inside these facilities that are exploiting animals to expose them and rescue animals and liberate them from these places of violence whilst the people that are abusing the animals remain protected by the system. So it really kind of highlights that message and that we want legal rights for animals and for ourselves to rescue these animals if they are suffering um, inside these facilities. So the reason I chose that particular opportunity to use the right to rescue message was because fellow activists here in Perth were actually being taken to court and charged for trespass and burglary for liberating a bobby calf at a local dairy farm. So I did this action just days before to really highlight that message and get more media coverage for this poor little bobby calf who was rescued but then taken back to the farm by the police when they found out about his liberation. So I think that right to rescue message is really essential to this movement and to make the public understand that these animals are suffering and they deserve rights as well. Absolutely. And, um, you know, it, it makes perfect sense when, when you were speaking about it and, and the right to rescue. And, oh, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I can't understand how that can be a bad thing to, to want to rescue an animal that's going to be, you know, that's already suffering and it's going to be... Um, you know, it's slaughtered. But what people don't realise, I mean, a lot of people don't realise that farm animals even need 
rescuing as such. But um, what people also don't realise with that right to rescue message is that it's, it also covers, you know, dogs and cats and others that they would be very quick to defend and, and want to rescue as well. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Everyone's on board with rescuing a dog from a meat farm in an Asian nation. But when it comes to rescuing a cow in our own country, uh, everyone suddenly calls you a terrorist or an extremist. So it's very hypocritical. And we're just, yeah, highlighting that message that if you support someone rescuing a dog, then why aren't you supporting someone rescuing a cow? Because they're all sentient beings that deserve the same rights life yeah so true so, um you're someone who really excels in getting these these causes um right in the limelight using the media you know using it against themselves almost um and you've you've got a present on uh, quite a few platforms now but um tiktok especially at the moment is somewhere where you know you're reaching a new generation of vegans you're, you're hitting that younger um learning crowd you know um, can you explain a little bit about the platform for our viewers and how you use it for activism? So, yeah, TikTok is an absolutely incredible platform. Like most of you fellow vegans, I'm sure you feel like sometimes you're preaching to vegans when you're posting your content online and that's what happens on Facebook and Instagram. But what makes TikTok so unique is that when you post content, it's getting pushed out to non-followers. So that's a huge amount of non-vegans and not only that it's getting pushed out to thousands and thousands of people obviously it depends on the type of content you're putting out there but I've had a couple of videos now that have received about one and a half million views so it's a huge amount of people it's having this massive impact it's so easy to get heaps of views and lots of followers and as you mentioned um, before, there are a lot of children and teenagers on this platform. So and, uh, that's even more important to get that message to our future generations. And what I'm finding is that I'm getting messages almost daily now from these younger people saying, thank you, I, I want to go vegan now because I've seen your videos and I've seen the truth. So, yeah, it's an absolutely incredible platform. Well, thank you for that explanation because yeah. I've been someone who looked into YouTube for quite a while and that's the whole goal of when you start a YouTube channel is to try and get your content to have enough views so that it gets put out into the, the main field where everyone else is going to see it, not just your subscribers. And um, it's brilliant to know that TikTok is that, you know, almost like Kickstarter for it. And um, Yeah, I always thought it was just people doing dances, you know. <laughs> I need to look into this more. <laughs> yeah, but it's brilliant. Yeah thought as well but yeah it's amazing you can use it for whatever you want yeah I need to look into it more and it's wonderful it's having such an effect it's like we were talking to Dr Michael Klepper, um a little while back and you know like he is going around to the first year medical students you know and educating them on you know to to teach their patients to you know look at what your patients are eating um again it's it's that kind of educate them young, you know, before everybody else gets them type of thing. And it's brilliant that you make it so cool. You know, you've got a vegan clan, you've got vegan booty, you've got all of those things that, you know, people are just naturally drawn to at that age and kind of like, oh, what's that about? So, you know, it's good on you. It's, it's brilliant. I must investigate. Stop the podcast. We'd like to take a moment to give a shout out to one of our partners, Animal Activism Mentorship. The Animal Activism Mentorship seeks to achieve animal liberation through empowering people to become activists and build a community of individuals who are willing to make the change. With free workshops, 
resources and personal mentoring available from some of the most highly acclaimed and experienced activists in the vegan world, the AAM is invaluable for both would-be and seasoned activists alike. Head on over to animalactivismmentorship.com and sign up today. Now, back to the podcast. As well as reaching a wider audience with your TikTok activism, it also shows a different side of the Tesh Peterson that many people might expect. Um, I mean, for me, even, you know, when I heard about all the wild and crazy things you're doing, you know, I was like, oh, God, this must be a really aggressive person, you know, to, to do such confrontational stuff, you know, and, and certainly uh, the old school media would have us believe that, you know, you're this hardcore, angry, vegan stereotype when, um, in fact, you know, the test that we've seen, well, here today, but also before that on, on you know, watching your videos, we've been really surprised that, you know, you actually come across as a really sweet person, quite eloquent or very eloquent, in fact. Um, and just very peaceful in the way that you carry out your activism. So is this one of the benefits of using a platform like TikTok? Yes, definitely. Um, we have our own media at our hands and TikTok is perfect for that. So, yeah, I've been able to use it for a number of different things when I've received a lot of hate from my activism because the media has twisted the narrative or made me to be out that type of person. And then I can use my TikTok platform to explain not only why I'm doing what I'm doing, but who I am really as a person so they can actually see this personal side of me and make that connection. And I've seen that work a lot of times where people have messaged me to say, I've come to message you with hate and abuse because I've seen you on the media, but I've just had a quick scroll through your Facebook or your TikTok page and now I can see why you're doing what you're doing and who you actually are as a person. So to make that sort of personal connection with people is really important. And that's why, yeah, that platform is really good for that. Yeah, it's one of the things that comes with getting a lot of attention is you do get a lot of the, the haters, unfortunately. And you seem to get especially ones with big bushy beards. Um <laughs> I don't know why, but um, we love how you take the time, though, to actually respond to each one of these as long, well, whenever you're able to. Um, why do you take the time to respond to all the haters, you know? Because for a lot of us, we'd sort of just, you know, put the phone down, walk away. Like, um, what, what brings you to talk to these people? I just find it hard to ignore people. I've always been a bit of a fighter. So initially it was just because I want to respond to them and get that message out there and see if they can change without really thinking about it. But then over time actually seeing the impact that it was able to make and actually get a lot of people to end up agreeing with me or watching Dominion because I've taken out that time to respond to them with compassion no matter how many nasty names they've called me, um, is actually quite incredible because, yeah, like people just realise that, oh, she's not responding with hate. She isn't actually this aggressive, crazy person that I thought she was. Maybe I'll actually listen to what she has to say. And because of that, I've had a lot of people apologising for calling me names and a lot of people actually end up going vegan. So that's why I think it's so important to try and respond to everyone, no matter what they're saying to you. Definitely. No, it's a, it's a great way to cope with it. And, um, you know, it's very easy to be a keyboard warrior, isn't it, when you're nameless and faceless and all of that. But when someone's actually calling you out and be like, actually, you know, I see you, I've noticed you, and I'm going to 
you know, <laughs> explain and show another perspective. It's, yeah, and good on you for doing that. It's great. I know, you know, a lot of people would just be like, block, delete, you know, so, um, but it's, it's awesome that, you know, it's making a difference. Um, I mean, certainly once I explained, I can't remember which interview it was. It may have been with um, Kevin Luna, I think. Uh, Vegan Luna. Vegan yeah. Luna podcast. It may have been that one when um, you were explaining, you know, right to rescue and that kind of, um, you know, what it meant. And as soon as I heard that, uh, definition myself I was like oh, well that makes total sense and so you know knowing that I was like well why why are people getting angry about you you talking about a right to rescue you know this could be the dog in the, the neighbor's backyard next door to them it could be anything but you know why does what you do make people so angry do you think I think because people are being confronted with the truth and being made aware of the fact that they are participating and profiting animal abuse and murder. So I guess social change has never been comfortable and when confronted with such a massive truth that real with the realization that you have been lied to your entire life, um, to go against your morals and values, which is often against animal abuse, that's initially why a lot of people do react with this aggression and hate. And initially, they probably will have an opposition towards vegans. But now that they've been hit with the truth of this message, they're more likely to change. And I mean, unfortunately, a lot of vegans are against forms of activism that I do, particularly the direct action sort of stuff, because all they're seeing is this negative public response. So they're saying, well, it's damaging the movement. It's not giving vegans a good name and that sort of thing so I can understand as an outsider seeing that as a negative thing but as crazy as it sounds all these negative uh, responses is only a sign that positive change is actually happening because we're reaching this mass audience with the animal rights message and as I said they're going to be more likely to change down the future and history has shown this, that direct action is an essential aspect to creating social change. And I think it is a, an essential aspect of the animal rights movement. Yeah. yeah it's sowing those seeds, isn't it? Yeah. We really agree with that because, once again, this is part of um, why we're doing this series is to hopefully get people to understand the different forms of activism. And, like, even for me, when I first got into um, being vegan, I didn't understand some forms. I was like, whoa, you know, that, that's, that's way hardcore. But the more, especially through doing this series, speaking to people like Jerry Armstrong stuff and getting, um, and yourself, you know, getting those insights on it allows us to understand it better. And then even if it's not your cup of tea, um, you know, it, it's, it's a lot easier to um, just, just encourage it, you know, when you understand it properly, you know, it, it, yeah, it's too easy just to, just to throw, um, throw blame and throw hate at stuff and it's um yeah it's, it's a lot harder to open yourself to these things i think everything you know different things resonate with different people don't they and i remember when i first um you know saw the, the footage of you in the supermarket um you know i, I saw some people like oh you're not going to stop me having my you know roast lamb or roast pork or whatever but if that was me and you know you're always going to get that because like you say they don't like being confronted but I kind of put myself in a, in a customer's shoes and I was like, God, if I was confronted by someone like yourself that was standing there covered in, you know, blood and I would be horrified, but that would really make me look at what, you know, what I'm doing. And so there's got to be a percentage of, of people in there that may not like that. And, and, you know, 
sorry, it might ruin your day, but go home and think about it. You know? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, I think that action in particular was very visually and um, listening to the sounds as well of the animals screaming in the supermarket was just so impactful. And it did trigger a lot of people. I received probably like 500 messages within one day from that action, but that just shows that it is having that impact for sure. Wow. Yeah, it's definitely brilliant when you can have that um, that audio sort of sensory sort of element to it and, um, yeah, a b- bit of extra sort of mind mm. mind games with them. And, um, Especially at Christmas when everyone is so hell-bent on consuming, you know? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Besides, it can't be any worse than the Christmas carols. No, they're more blood curdling, aren't they? Really? <laughs> hey, tell you what, actually, um, one thing Gareth wanted to say to you about, you know, we saw one of your your um, um, actions recently that where you were in a um, outside of butchers and you had a, a human hand, which made you think of the a oh, book yeah. that you really need to read. <laughs> yeah, we uh, are part of the series. We've got Agustina Basterica coming up, and she's an author who wrote Tender Is the Flash, and that is um, I don't know if you've read it, but it is a gnarly book, um, but yeah, it's all about humans consuming, well, humans, or as they call it, special meat in the book. And um, yeah, when I saw you with that prop of the like the human hand in the plastic wrap for um, the butchers there, I just thought, yeah, I wonder, I wonder if you've given that one a read, because that one, like, yeah, might inspire a whole new range of props. <laughs> yeah, it's all about the tables get well and truly turned, so... <laughs> Yeah, I haven't read it, but I'm intrigued now. I'll have to give it a go. Some more inspiration. <laughs> I warn you, yeah, it, it is, it is, it's hardcore. I thought um, as a vegan, uh, understanding sort of the concepts that are going on, it would make it easier. I think it might have made it harder, um, but it's definitely a must read. At the same time, you know, yeah, it's crawling, uh, but it's a must read. <laughs> yeah. But um, one thing that we really sort of touched on is how you know you've turned a lot of these haters into you know lovers of of the movement and backers. And um, there's one chap in particular who I'm not going to name because he doesn't deserve any sort of credit, any sort of uh, validation whatsoever. But you know, he did a video of trying to take you down, and I. I was um, stoked to hear in it was in that Luna uh, Vegan Luna podcast, which we'll link in this as well, uh, where you're saying how he was another one who got you a lot of um, followers from, you know, that bad press turned into, into good press. So, yeah, I understand you got quite a few followers from this person who we're not going to name because he doesn't deserve the credit. <laughs> yeah, it kind of backfired on himself, I guess. I didn't really know who he was until someone said, hey, this guy with one million YouTube subscribers has made this video about you. And I'm thinking, oh, God, what is this? And, um, yeah, it was quite shocking, the content that he made. But, you know, he was only doing the animals and myself a favour because that just allowed hundreds, if not thousands of people to come onto my YouTube channel and my other social medias to come and message me with all this hate and then they've decided to look through my content and see why I'm doing what I'm doing, see the animals suffering and realise, oh, that's what this girl's all about. Why is this guy hating on her so much? And a lot of them turned to follow me instead. And um, a few people did message me saying that they were going vegan because of it. So it was really cool to have that response despite receiving so much hate from his followers <laughs> oh, Definitely. one of my one of my good mates shared um that video on his page and he, he tagged me in it and i was i was just like 
Bro, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm dropping you for a bit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a great thing about, you know, social media. While we can, a lot of people, you know, will just follow blindly like sheep, um, you know, at the latest whatever's trending and that kind of thing at least once you get there you've got the freedom of actually researching things for ourselves which is um probably why we're seeing you know we were talking um recently to the founder of Veganuary and you know it's it's because of social media that you know concepts like that have just been able to just snowball um for our viewers both young and a bit more mature like me that have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. Do you have any tips for getting into TikTok as a platform for activism or, um, or also like me, if they're not game enough themselves, how can we support vegan TikTokers? Is that even a thing? TikToker? Yeah, yeah that's the right word. Yeah. I really do sound ancient now. <laughs> oh, well, I suggest just starting off with creating an account if you don't want to start creating your own videos yet just follow as many vegans as you can and support their content by liking and sharing their videos the algorithm really works by the watch time of the videos and the number of shares it has as of course likes and comments are important too so you can start off yeah just by supporting others and then just getting an idea of what kind of content they're creating and what working for them and then you can sort of start sharing that on your own page everyone can share their own videos you don't even have to create your own um, and then if you want to start creating your own sort of thing and adding your own personal sort of touch to it which I think is really important because that's what's going to connect to the audience your own sort of personal thing so I really do recommend showing your face on that camera and creating that stuff and you only have to create you know a 15 to 20 second video and for all you know it could end up in hundreds if not thousands or millions of views so I definitely recommend it but if you are not game enough to do that that's fine because what I found a lot of time is just sharing videos that friends have taken inside facilities is really impactful because everyone you know not everyone has seen these animals in these places of violence and when you can share that on TikTok everyone's very intrigued by that so I found that's worked for me as well as using Dominion footage you just have to be really careful because TikTok's quite sensitive to graphic sort of stuff so try and lean on the non-graphic side and um, yeah you'll find that it'll probably do quite well and get lots of views Oh, that's amazing. Hopefully that helps um, a lot of our viewers out there and helps them getting into um, a bit more of activism of their own or at least back in some uh, some of the wonderful folks like yourself. Mm. And we love everything that you do and how you take things just in your stride. You have the haters, you turn them into lovers, you know, uh, not of the wrong kind. I know. <laughs> I'll start that line again because that probably sounds really bad. Um, one of the things we love about you is, Oh, I've gone red now. I was going to say, look at you. <laughs> Tell you what, what are you trying to say, darling? Do you, do you want to do that question? Cause I've, Which one? one? Oh, he's all over the place. Signal to you. <laughs> okay. All right. So, yes. As as I was sort of touching on before, you know, we love how you, you never lose focus. You never lose your, you know, you're always coming back to, to that message. And, um, you know, we love just how you just take everything in your stride and never stop speaking your truth. Um, and like you said, at the other end of the, of the scale, you know, you just get so much positive feedback. What are some of the best things about doing your form of activism? I think because personally, I just love it. 
Um, and I think it's really important to use your activism to your advantage and use your own sort of skills and passions to surround that. So for me, yeah, direct action and that creativity is something that I'm really passionate about and something I look forward to doing. Because if you're going to do activism and you're finding yourself becoming drained and not wanting to do it, it's not going to be good for you in the long term and it's not going to be good for the animals because you could just burn yourself out. So I think it's so important to be open-minded about types of activism if you're new to it and try all sorts of different things. If you're not finding something that you're really liking, try something else and, yeah, use your own personal things to your advantage. Oh, thank you. That's some brilliant advice there. Definitely. And, um, even, even the TikTok, you know, it's got me feeling like listening to the way you talk about it, it sounds so much fun. You know, I'm not going to inflict my dancing on anyone, but, um, you know, it I, sounds I like... Know, really... Give it time. Give it time. <laughs> <laughs> Need a few bottles of vegan wine, I think, before I start doing that. But, but um, no, it, it's great. You know, it's it's really obviously a platform that's well worth investigating. And um, you know, thank you for for sharing so much knowledge about it with other vegans. Thank you. Yeah, it's been really good. I think I've clocked up almost seven million views in the past twenty eight days now. So it's it's amazing. Wow. It really is. I can't recommend it enough. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Well, you have uh, so many great resources on your social media pages. And uh, one of the videos that we really like is the one you did addressing parents because um, you had so many sort of young followers messaging you and saying they want to go vegan. And parents sort of, I guess they must have been throwing up their arms in, in disgust, you know, how dare we get to go vegan. But, um, yeah, you also linked to things like Dominion, um, which is it seems to be one of the key things that you put forward because it's a brilliant documentary. Um, is there any other documentaries and stuff like that that you like to put forward? Yeah, I have quite a few favourites. I mean, Food Choices is the documentary that made me go vegan, so that's one that I'll always recommend. I think it's great because it covers all three benefits of going plant-based and vegan because it focuses on the health and then the animal rights and the environment as well to get that wholesome sort of perspective because you know, some people might be more into health and not make that connection with animals. And as I mentioned earlier, for me, I was more connected to learning the environmental impacts rather than the animals initially. So I think a lot of people come through different pathways and then they always end up coming into the animal rights sort of thing naturally. So food choices is definitely good. I really love the game changes, even though it doesn't really focus on animal rights apart from one section. I still find that an amazing overall film to sort of debunk those myths because I mean a lot of people are fearful of becoming vegan because just because of their health and I think to see something like that is a really good motivator to going into veganism. Um, trying to think. Oh, I like Cowspiracy as well. I think that's a really good one too. So yeah, there's a lot of amazing ones out there, but yeah, those three are probably. Yeah, my favourites, of course, Dominion will always be number one. <laughs> it's great that you're, you know, just telling so many people about it, even just with, with what you're wearing, you know. So um, it's great. And I know um, I heard you say in an interview that when you first went vegan, you also really went into, you know, you researched everything really well and, and you um, you got into the whole, you know, whole food plant basic with all the, the medical, the doctors, the Dr. Clapper, who we've had the uh, the pleasure of interviewing as well. So, um you know, you've, you've got, you know, your stuff all the way around, you know. 
And he, yeah. he's the one that's always made a difference to me with Cowspiracy as well. You know, he's forever changed the way that I look at dairy. So, yeah, definitely yeah, would recommend that one. Um, Tash, it has been such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for your time. And um, we really look forward to seeing what you come up with next. I'm sure you will keep us all on our toes. Um, yeah, we've got some great stuff on your website for starters, as Gareth said. Where can our viewers follow you to keep up with all your latest views and views? News and views. News and views. And activism. I've got our host catching. It's what have you done? <laughs> Yeah, well, I, you can either search me on all social media platforms under the name of Tash Peterson. Otherwise, I also do go by Vegan Booty, but there's no E in the vegan. It's just B-G-A-N Booty. And I've also just created my own website as well that sort of just links everything together. And it's also, I wanted to make it a really good resource for people interested in veganism and trying to understand it as well as, uh, people wanting to become animal rights activists as well. So I have a lot of information. Um, and yeah, you can just go to veganbooty.com. Thank you for listening to this interview. We hope you found it informative and entertaining. To learn more about Tasha's work, check out our social media pages at Vegan Booty. Once again, be sure to follow us on social media platforms for future releases. This has been Vegan FTA, vegan for the animals. 